Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We just have a good rhythm together, you know. He sort of feels me out, I feel him out. And uh, we go for it. Hello, everyone. Welcome along to episode 12 of The Worst Idea of All Time, season 4, in which we shotgun and occasionally leisurely sip from the drink that is Sex in the City, the movie. Uh, for the first time in a long time, Tim and I are not just side by side, but stride by stride as we walk our way through sunny Greyland on a beautiful Springs day. Um, We've just watched this film for the twelfth time. Tim, it's a pleasure to be with you. How are you? So nice to have you here by my side and stride, guy. Guy doesn't rhyme with those things, but it almost does. I said it in a way like it should, but it didn't quite hit it. Yeah, yeah, I know. Guy, and, really, and, and in doing that, it really stood out that you'd mm. attempted and failed to make a rhyme. That's all right. Don't it's you right, love though, that, isn't it? that authentic crunch of dry leave beneath foot? Oh, well, we don't have it right now, but you're probably picking it up. Uh, it is, it's a great day for a walk. Now, the reason we're walking is because halfway through the film, Tim turned to me and said, we're doing this episode walking because I have to. Yes. Why did you feel that way? Being in that stuffy studio, it was a situation where I thought that I would be having a lot more fun because we're having to watch the movie by ourselves. At the moment, obviously being in different parts of God's green earth and... I thought, oh, this would be great. Guy will be there. Free hit. Fair enough. And uh, it wasn't great at all. I didn't enjoy watching the movie. And we've actually, we've had a little break recently, haven't we? Yeah, we have. I mean, I can't remember what the reasoning was. I've been bouncing around the place. Oh, you've been, you've been, you've been tripping around. I, I buggered off. I was off the grid briefly. That's right. What were you doing? I was at a camp. Yeah? It wasn't for me. No, no, because we had to, okay, so let me explain this. Guy and I are tethered together by, like, uh, both our mics being plugged into the portable recorder, which is um, on my hip, on my belt. I've got it wrapped around my belt buckle. But now we're crossing a road, but if Guy goes before me, oh, watch, stop. this is going to be bad. No, we would have made that. No, no, let's, you know, <laughs> we're on the Bullock track for anyone listening in Auckland. It's a, a pretty busy thoroughfare that yeah. sort of connects uh, Graylin to... The Western Motorway. A bit going on. And uh, it's one of the steeper hills. I've seen people bomb it on skateboards. It looks pretty scary. But you do not want to get clipped by one of these vehicles. It's a very narrow road. And if you make a misstep, you are fucking roasted. Yeah, man. You're but your boys are safely on the other side of the street now and parading down their way towards Western Springs. 
I also thought that it was particularly uh, disappointing that yeah. our company <laughs> had no impact on how much the movie could be enjoyed. I thought you were particularly grumpy, can I say? Oh, really? Yeah, I've made some notes of uh, times and moments in which you were sort of throwing your weight around. Uh, the first time that you, you really got upset was uh, when Carrie was calling Samantha to announce that she was engaged. And uh, she was sort of ogling jewellery, perhaps. I don't even know if she was looking for an engagement ring. She was in some sort of store. Yeah, she was just in a shop. And you said, what is Carrie's day? Yeah. What does a day in the life of Carrie Bradshaw actually look like? And it's a valid question. Because, I mean... <laughs> just a vapid clothes horse paint- who's parading around <laughs> spending money she doesn't deserve. You are not holding back today, and I, for one, love it. Walk me through it. What time does she wake up? What's the first thing that happens? Gary Bradshaw wakes up at... Uh, I reckon she actually gets up quite early. I reckon she probably wakes up at 6.20, because it's trendy. And yeah. we don't see this, but I, she's definitely the... I feel like she's a woman who would go to yoga or the gym. Probably the gym. She definitely works out. It's yeah. actually, uh, it's coming to some scrutiny, I think. I, I can't cite specific examples, but in broader conversation, the idea of like uh, characters or more specifically real world celebrities, um, that person tooted so they get on the potty. You've got to love that. For us. Uh, who who sort of, you know, you see them eating meals at all hours and, like, hoeing into a calorie-loaded burger. Yeah. You never see the hard-working graft that goes into maintaining that svelte Hollywood figure. Bloody oath. So it creates a false narrative whereby, you know, other people think that that's attainable or that's an ordinary lifestyle. But mm. you know for sure that uh, both Carrie Bradshaw and SJP put the fucking hours in on their body. She is she, cut like a snake. She absolutely is. She's, uh... She must work damn hard to yeah. get there. And especially because she, she's, what, 40, you know, late 40s or something when this was made? The early yeah, yeah, she was, she was definitely 40s. Like 45, maybe, when she made this movie. And um, look, fantastic, great stuff. But don't shield us from the process. Got to see the process. Absolutely. So she I gets love up. a Rocky-style training montage with Sarah Jessica Parker. That's what I want. I want to see her running upstairs in Philadelphia. Is that where that movie was shot? Uh, yeah, it is. I actually ran up those stairs. What a legend. Yeah, it was really cool. There were a lot of other people doing it at the same time. Not Carrie Bradshaw, though. Well, sadly. I didn't see her. I mean, if SJP was there, I feel like that would have been more of an event than the stairs themselves. Mm. But so 6.20, maybe some yoga, maybe a trip to the gym. How long is she there for? What happens afterwards? She is there for 45 minutes every morning. And she gets a juice from whatever tank is called in America. What would it be? What would it like Joe's a prominent... Ju- Joe the juicer or something, I don't know. Is uh, J- Jamba Juice is like not healthy, eh? It's basically just... Jamba Juice, yeah, I feel like it's, it's sort of... It's a bit more McDonald's of the juice world. <laughs> yeah. Juice in general. Yeah. Is it healthy or no, not? No, certainly not. So that's a like mi- a smoothie's good for you. What, what's the difference between a smoothie and juice? Juice is just like pulp-free water from the fruit, and it's just so loaded in sugar. And sometimes they put even more sugar in. So They uh, add sugar to that. If I go out for breakfast and I think to myself, I'll be healthy this morning, mm. I'll, I'll order uh, two eggs yeah. on one piece of toast, yes. some mushrooms, uh, and a freshly squeezed orange juice. Yeah. Am I looking after myself? Yeah, I think on balance you are. 
I'm just saying there's a lot of sugar in it. There's a lot of other okay, stuff too, like what vitamins if, What too. if I'm not even going out for breakfast? What if it's one in the afternoon and I think, God, I'd love a juice and I Leave go and buy it? Leave it out. One in the afternoon. You're crazy. Leave it out. You don't need that juice. What should I get instead? Mate, do yourself right. Tall glass of milk. <laughs> I'm not drinking milk. Yes, afternoon milk. No. Milk is for children. No, it isn't. And animals. No, it's for strong men. Cold milk is for teenage boys as well, straight from the carton. Shout out. Yum, yum. Shout out to uh, the, the Bronx as well. Who's the is gentleman? It the Bronx or the Brooks? Oh, shit. I don't know. Could you look that up? Uh, You're holding a phone. I'm offline. Some, uh, some motherfucker has been drinking a glass of milk every day for what feels like a year now. Could be. Could be. And tweeting the photo to us. Uh, he has not dropped the ball. Well, I dis- disagree with He has not. It's true. It was actually one day when he was late and he apologized and it was his goddamn own wedding. <laughs> and he was late by about six hours. That's yeah, it. It's incredible. I don't respect the lifestyle, but I respect your commitment to the bit. Uh it's I'm incredible. not going to start drinking milk. Do you know that that dude sending me the daily milk pictures? That has like kept me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> like I've been ready. I've had I've had dips in my Twitter love. Where I'm like fuck this whole platform. That dude has kept me going. Yeah, he's undoubtedly he's committed to the he's cause. A fucking legend. Uh, so she has a juice. This is probably why yeah. she's there for 45 minutes. Say she wakes yeah. up at six twenty, it would she, take you know twenty she, minutes to get to the gym. So she works out six forty five to seven thirty, then afterwards she goes for juice. She doesn't have a juice though. I think she has like a wheatgrass shot, like something that tastes gross but is good for you. Something like that. Yeah, okay. Um that that just screams Carrie Bradshaw at me. So seven thirty AM a wheatgrass shot takes less than a moment to drink, so yeah. she's free for the next while. What's happening? Blamo, it is time to jump in the shower and pick out today's outfit, which is gonna take a bit of time. I see. So I reckon that whole process is we're looking at like an hour and a quarter, I reckon. Of the of shower and shower shower dressing. Shower dressing, putting your face on, getting your hair done. Yeah. Et cetera. Etc. Etc. Can Before I just say, can go as out an aside, yes, yes. of everyone's fashion in this movie, yeah. who do you think has aged the most gracefully? I can't remember when this was made. Man, maybe two thousand and eight or big earlier. Big fan of Samantha Jones's okay. um, accoutrement yeah. in this film. How about you? Uh, I was looking at a lot of what Steve's outfits were and thinking to myself, I could see myself in that. Steve was like a goddamn idiot in the scene where they're doing the marriage counselling. I, the that was the, the outfit that prompted shirt. the feeling. I love the weirdest looking chicken I've ever seen. Yeah, its face is covered in that weird sort of scrotal sin that you see on rooster. It is a rooster, that, by the way. Is it a rooster? Look at this. It's got wild feet that as well. That is bizarre. That's a really weird looking rooster. Look, I'm going to take a photo of it. I think it's not too far outside the norms of what a rooster looks the like. The colours are all off. Yeah, look, you're going to see a lot of mane. You're going to see some really, you know, tip-top birds here, and you're also going to see some mangy motherfuckers. dungers. Also, we're going to be striding past some pretty aggressive geese. Yeah, I'll try and get them mic'd up so they can talk to you, dead listener. Uh, But no, the outfit he wears in the marriage counselling, I think the seat is the real scene-stealer in terms of ludicrousness in that seat. You put me onto this, and I'm so glad you did. The seat is absurd. But I love the wash and cut of Steve's jeans. I think that that sort of... Uh, brown cashmere looking sweater over a, a navy plaid shirt uh, I liked it all I could see myself wearing that entire ensemble so really? for you to call it ridiculous is mildly upsetting to it me it was too I think also maybe it was too big for him if it was like a size smaller I think it would have been a real good look okay but it wasn't anyway looked like so he was wearing his, his dad's agree to disagree clothes. yeah look at these birds 
There's just too many of them. No, they're good. They're friends. But they don't even move when you get close. Yeah, because they've been completely tamed to humans here. And they have no respect for this footpath. They've got none. Uh, just to fill you lot in, I mean, just the walkway on which we're standing is literally caked in defecation. I would say 40% goose shit, it 60% is. ash fell. Fucking crazy. And some of these geese have pump. dropped bombs. Yes, man. Look at that. Yeah, I saw Huge. it. Huge. That looks like a sheep offering leaving. Look, anyhow, not much of an offer, is it? All of this Don't is get getting us. Deterred. No, no, I, I shan't. So seven thirty till eight forty-five. She's showering, choosing an ensemble. Yep. Eight forty-five. She's ready to go. What's happening? At the next? door, off to Vogue. Oh, really? For some meetings. Even as a freelancer, you got it. She's got to go meet with uh, Candice Bergen. Who's Turned called? in a fantastic performance this week, actually. She, I love that woman. She plays an Anor Wintour type. Well, not type, but her role in real life is her is Candice Bergen's role in the movie. She's the boss of Vogue. So she goes to a meeting? Yeah. Or two? Yeah. The meetings, can I just say, at Vogue. Uh, you thought your work meetings were unproductive? Get a load of these. Fuck, nothing gets done. Is Carrie Bradshaw respected in those meetings? When she speaks, do people think, okay, we better listen, this is going to be good? Or do they think, oh, yes, fuck, but only, here we go? Only because she very rarely offers anything. So it's quite rare that she would open her mouth. That's a real power play. That's something I've learned. Have you ever tried it in conversation? Especially in one-on-one conversation. If you want someone to run their mouth and keep talking, you just don't... You know the silences where you'd usually yeah. fill them out or yeah. respond? You just don't say anything. Oh, yeah. It's an interview technique. Did it's you know also that? Well, I, I sort of learned that from the point of view of um, salesmen use it. They use the silence to kind of goad you into buying stuff. So what? If I'm... Say you're trying to sell me a microwave. Yeah. And I go, yeah, I, the they, one we have at home works okay, but... I guess we could use it. I see you've There's done a, it. To, yeah. See, people just, they want to, and they hate silence, so they'll usually fill in the blanks themselves. And it's just, it's just a natural thing that you want to, like, you know, get on with the person you're with. So if they've got an agenda, which is, you yeah, should buy a microwave, yeah, yeah. you like, just slowly worm your way over to them. I haven't lived with a microwave for six years. It's so good, dude. It honestly yeah. doesn't make How's a difference. Life? It's fine. You just wind up, sort of cooking some of the food if you want it to be hot in a pan in a nice cast iron pan yeah or you just eat your leftovers cold oh I couldn't have that well, just fucking put it in the pan then yeah pan it is yeah I don't like eating cold foods that can be hot you know pizza such a massive difference reheating a pizza I don't know I just think being cold I, I always think I'll take the pizza hot if it's fresh off the fresh out of the oven yeah but uh, the next day, if there's still pizza in the fridge, I'm not opposed to a cold slice. Back in the days when I ate sausages, I used to love hoeing into a cold sausage. Weirdly, a cold sausage I'm with you on. That's you know? crazy. Um, Imagine, but that's like a cold meat thing, right? It's like salami, you know? Just cut off a bit of... Is salami ever cooked? Salami. You have hot salami on a pizza. No, but the actual roll of salami. Is that ever cooked? I don't think so. It's a good question. I'm unfamiliar with the process. Yeah, of course. Cured meats. It's not a heat thing, right? They're kind of just dried out with salt. Yeah. And hung. (laughs) Yeah. Is this where salami comes from? So, what, you just take some loose flesh of animal. Yep, yep, yep. You put it on a hook. You turn it into a sort of baton shape. I think, do you You make it? You salt it and just put it in a dry room until you're like, yep, I reckon you can eat that now. 
Is salami a combo effort thing? Like, do you do you kind of mince up a whole bunch of meat and form that into it? No, that's like luncheon meat. Yeah, true. Which I used to love when I was a kid. Fuck how how horrible is luncheon? Oh, it's pretty bad. It's so bad. It looks of all the meats that humans eat, it looks the most like dog roll. Because it is, I think. Well, there you go. It'd be just cut even finer. Look at that beautiful. Look at that beautiful adolescent swan. Yeah. Oh, that is truly prime time for a swan. You reckon? Well, you might know the fable, the ugly duckling. I've heard of it. That's a swan. But you you, you get to this point where they're probably, what, 11 or 12 in swan years? Why isn't the ugly duckling a duck? Okay. We've stopped too long to look at this. Uh, Well, because that's the twist. Yeah, the parents are freaked out at us and approaching. That's what I like about these black swans here. They take no shit. I have uh, run and, and wailed in fear of one of these swans before. How recent? Not these particular two. It would be about a year. Oh, <laughs> I thought you meant as a child. No, no, no. Uh, but an adolescent swan is a thing of beauty. It's got that sort of fluffy chiclet. Down? Uh, yeah, down. Do we call it? Yeah. Anyhow. Beautiful so pelt. Two meetings at Vogue. She arrived there probably between 8.45 and 9. I'd say 45 minutes per meeting. Yep. Uh, no, it, they're an hour. Okay. Nothing gets done, but they are an so hour. So that means that at 11 a.m., yeah, yeah, yeah. she's had a pretty fucking productive morning. Yes. When does she well, start like mincing it, around? Because to me, the then, place of aggression... That's, that's her work day done. Okay. Yeah. That's it. So from 11 a.m., boom, carry time. This is when we see her with the girls. This is when can, she's going on her adventures. Can you tell <laughs> what are her adventures? <laughs> you know... You know, picking out next season's fashions. What do you think that is? What do you mean picking out next season's fashions? Well, she's a trendsetter. She's determining what's going to be. Yeah, next so when in she shops for clothes, is she looking? Is she? Does she's she dressed like a, a brilliant Russian chess player? What? <laughs> Several so moves specific. ahead. Oh yeah, okay. I was like, what do Russian chess players dress in? What are they? Mostly like? like tweed jackets. That's what I'm thinking. Not high fashion. We got the same picture. Um, but it wasn't so. It wasn't just the idea of sort Excuse of me. her lazing through the days. Uh, you know, it it was also. Oh, I thought there was a, a wild zoo animal, but it wasn't. It was just another bird. So many birds here in Western. Springs. I went to the zoo the other day. Depressing. Um, no, nah, man, they're pretty good here. I think they know what's up. Some impressive animals in there. They've got a couple of elephants, a bunch of uh, zebras. Drives. They're just there. They're just. We are meters away from them. Yeah, I know, don't I know it, mate? They're just Come there. on, give me some freaking credit here. We're on the outside uh, of the zoo, everybody. So, uh, not only were you frustrated by Ke- the idea of what what Carrie's day looks like, but during the phone call, we also get a, a reverse or not a reverse shot, but we get the other half of the conversation with Samantha Jones in her LA offices. Mm. And uh, in one of the frames, we see a glimpse behind her of an ensuite attached to her office space. <laughs> And that seemed to drive you wild. Yeah, it was crazy. Why is that? I was trying to do the math on that thing. You've got a toilet right there in your in your office suite. I guess it's just for you. Because if you've got a meeting, if you've got clients in, what, one of you is just going to nip to the bathroom and get the give the full audio experience of going number ones or twos for your guest? I don't think so. That's madness. Yeah, no one really wants that. It's a You're really on the back foot trying to... Um, Negotiate a deal I think, after they've just heard you drop a deuce, you know? Yeah. You got catching up to do, son. I uh, <laughs> stay. I was in uh, Golden Bay the weekend just been, which is a sort of beautiful, it's the tip of the South Island here in New Zealand. 
uh, and I was staying in a beautiful holiday home. And in an insane p- piece of design, all so like there were sort of three master bedrooms at this place, mm-hmm. and uh, should go left, I think. All of them had en suites, but every single en suite, instead of having a mirror between the, you know, like when you first go in there, it looks like there's a, one of those uh, two-way mirrors. So it's like from one side it's a mirror, from the other side it's a window. Oh yeah, yeah. So it looked like it would be a mirror. So that people in the bedroom would just see a reflection of themselves on a full wall mirror, mm-hmm. and then people in the bathroom would be able to see into the bedroom still. But as it turns out, none of them were mirrors. They oh. were just whole wall windows between the bathroom dude, and the bedroom. This is a rich person thing. I have stumbled into like five-star accommodation only a couple of times when it's been kind of gifted to me. Like, uh, for example, someone gave that to Zoe and I in our, as our wedding present yeah and like there's something about rich people that they love watching their house guests go to the toilet it is weird well it, it pretty much forced intimacy yep I wouldn't even call that intimacy though intimacy well, is no, lovely no, this is like no but intimacy oof. is a multi-purpose word yeah, it, it sort of it accelerated the comfortability between uh, myself and my beloved <laughs> As over the weekend, we grew more and more, and then eventually I would argue too comfortable with the idea of watching each other ones and twosie. That's craziness. I know. No one wants to see You would think no one wants to see Keep that. some romance in the relationship. Man, the romance know? is alive. But it's also... It's just well, then, like, you're, then you're crossing the streams. It's all weird. <laughs> you got to keep the playground separate from the, the, the... What do they call it? Toilets? The refuse area. Oh, yeah, yeah. You don't want to build a refuse centre next to a playground. This is it. That's what I was alluding to. Anyhow. Is it illusion if you just fuck up what you're saying and you are unclear? Can you claim illusion? Yeah, I think you can. You were alluding to something. I'm doing it. No, but let's go this way. way. We're going to go up a big hill this way. All right. People are going to hear us pant. Good. What do you think about that? Let the people hear. Let them listen. Let them listen. Let them experience it. So, can I ask you a question? Yes. This was our 12th watch, um, and we're going to do 52 of these. How does that make you feel? Uh, a little on edge. It is still a little surreal. Mm. Uh, it I, felt like such a good idea going in. And we came in hot. Does. I mean, unsurprisingly, you know, the worm has turned somewhat. Mm. Oh, here's a sneeze. Is it? God yeah. damn. Folks, Don't you hate that feeling? Imagine what Guy Montgomery looks with his little face screwed up in that preemptive yeah, sneeze I position. I, it's cute. I'm sh- yeah, I thought I looked cute, but I'm sure I didn't. Uh, I, I'm not excited by it. I, I can only imagine. Like I was being pretty aggressive towards Charlotte, as we all know. Charlotte and I don't really have a lot of time for each other, and not presently. And, but we'll wait till the twenties. Yeah, yeah. But this is what I'm saying: is like I can't imagine that relationship growing healthier, maybe temporarily, mm-hmm. in the way that a toxic relationship has moments of intense passion and then moments of intense sort of dislike. Right. Um, and I'm not looking forward to that. I'm in a pretty good space in my life right now. Yeah. And I feel like uh, while when we started, this was one of the few regular things I had to sort of build a day or a week around. So That's why you were so sick my into fingers it. into. Yes. Now I sort of feel quite happy in my life, independent of having to do this, and I feel like it's going to drag me down. Mm. Uh, will I keep doing it? In spite of the fact I know it's not good for my mental health, Tim? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> 
This is the project. This so, is the to answer your question, I feel bad. I feel <laughs> bad that we have to watch this movie 40 more times. How do you feel? Yeah, I share your sentiments completely. Um, but, you know, there is... I don't know. It's it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because we did three seasons and we went, you know what? Put this thing out to pasture. Sink a bullet into it. We've really rung this out, you know, to the max. Yeah. To the absolute max. And then... We really only took, what was it, six months even? No, no, much longer <laughs> than that. We oh, took. Was it? Uh, was it a full year? Close to a full year. Took, took time off between drinks and, you know, we just suddenly found ourselves craving each other's company, I think, more than anything. And we don't know how to be friends outside of this podcast. Do you think that's what this is? I think that's a big component of it. Do you think that this is the life support that maintains a connection between Tim and Guy? Yes, unfortunately I do. The fact we can talk openly about it suggests we could move beyond just existing through you the podcast. Think. That's true. We've had ample time to try it. That's how emotions work, out. though, man. Just because you understand the kind of, you know, the physics of it all. Emotions are different. They, f- they follow no rules. Just because we know that our friendship is trapped inside of this, uh, this chrysalis. Yeah, you know, this is a bad metaphor because that forms into a butterfly eventually. It's perpetually trapped in this this prism. That's good, isn't it? It is the podcast. And even though we know that our friendship is locked in a jail cell called the worst idea of all time, we can't break free of it. Uh, I suppose that's right. I still hold out hope. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Now, to turn back to your mood during the movie, Tim. Yeah. 
uh, during the bridal gown photo shoot, which doesn't happen too long <laughs> after that, hell. you said, and I quote, yep. this is the most self-indulgent thing I've seen in a movie. It Tim is, Bat. yes. No regrets on that comment. Can because you expand Jessica, upon it, please? Sarah Jessica Parker is an executive producer and has a lot of input with the story of these movies now. And it just, like, to be in that position and just chuck a cash, cheeky 10-minute montage of you wearing beautiful dresses where there's no dialogue just seems like a massive abuse of power. Well, and I can totally understand how Kim Cattrall and her had a big falling out because it was all this power play bullshit with SJP chucking her weight around. There's not it's just, an ensemble show. But this is what fans want to see. They want to see Carrie Bradshaw, they? the ultimate single gal, finally being married. They want to see her in a variety of gowns. Give me three, though. This is what I'm saying. A little restraint. Three dresses. Not only is there no dialogue, we get uh, the optics are SJP in various different bridal couture, and on top of that, we then get sort of wistful voiceover from her saying, and Alexander Petro... Well, you know, brands. Vivian Westwood. Chanel. Silly. Uh, Just to is, beat you over the head with how good everything's going for it. I re- yeah. I, I really... I and that is so. still why one line stands out to me, which says, Look can't you feel the one... Wire, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, Very I'm close all over to it. it. That's why I, I really like that part where she does say, I, can, can't you feel what I want you to feel right now? Jealous. It's one of the few moments of yeah. honesty, not even self-reflection, just like self-awareness that yeah. Carrie displays. Otherwise, it's frustrating because you're just dealing with someone who is shows narcissistic tendencies and no desire to learn or even appreciate that that's what's happening. Mm. Come over here. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, I got you. I got away from you. Guy I, found another fire hydrant from which to punch me, but I got out of his arm. So for our American Rich. listeners, free hit is something you do with your siblings and friends when you're a kid. If you're walking down the street, there are all these sort of yellow... Uh, what would that be called? It is a fire hydrant, but what's the it's name of it? It's like a, well, it's like a grate almost, but it's yeah. not a grate. They're in the ground over here, guys. And so you Yankees, and they're not like a big thing for docks to piss on here because we've put them in the ground. Yeah, and they're marked by uh, a yellow uh, topper that says FH, standing for fire hydrant. But when you're a kid, what you do is you think it's a free hit, and so you put your foot on one, and then you can punch whoever's in arms. You have to know them, obviously. To kids, the point that it's okay to punch them. Kids love hitting each other, eh? We make up so many games to you punch buggy. What was that one? You see, you see a beetle like a and, you, mini pu- or yeah, something yeah. and you just hit someone. I remember that one. Kids are crazy. Kind I've been spending a lot of time with a three-year-old recently. How's that going for you? It's going okay. Uh, it's actually going really well. We get along great like cool. 80% of the time, which I think is the right ratio. Half of me wants to delve into sort of justifying why you're hanging out with this three-year-old, and the other half of me is like, no, nah, fuck you guys. You're not entitled to that. Let's just say guys been hanging out with a three-year-old. I've been hanging out with a three-year-old, and can I say this? It does, like, occasionally, say she'll wake up very early at, like, maybe 5 a.m. She's not kidnapped, I'll say that. Yeah, yeah, everything's yeah. on the up and up. Yeah, yeah, everything's good. At 5 a.m. or even earlier, and then she'll be like, yep, that's me, I'm up. Here I am. Here comes the day, and yeah. you say, no, 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 actually, it's a bit early for the day, so we're going to go back to sleep. And she goes, no, nah, it's the day now. And you go, no. And it's very tiring. And then so sometimes what will happen is if I see other, and I'm not a parent, but if I see other uh, adults or people mm. hanging out with toddlers during yeah. the day, yeah. especially early to mid-afternoon when you feel the exhaustion of the early morning, yes. I sort of will go to them, like give them a knowing glance, like, eh, yeah, yeah. But often I'm not with 
the three-year-old at this time. Yes. So I'm just sort of ogling parents going, yeah. Uh. <laughs> anyway, I'm still figuring it all out. It's good to be in a boat with others, isn't it? Give that well, little nice. nod of like acknowledgement. I'm, I'm part of a community. Yeah. Only they can't see that. Yeah. They just see, you know. They just see a man nodding at them. A 30-year-old childless man <laughs> sort of winking and nodding at them and their children. And that's okay too. That is okay, folks, and it's time we learned that. Be a good test of our fitness here as we start to puff and pant. Yeah. We're on a pretty steady incline. You've been doing a lot of the talking. I feel bad about that. So No, that's okay. Grab the wheel while we get into this last bit of the uphill stoop. No, it's, it keeps and going around that this. little bit of bend. Shining light? Thought you'd never ask, mate. I didn't. So my shining light to this watch is the moment where... They're in Mexico having dinner together. The waiter comes over, takes their orders and says, thank you very much, Mrs. Preston. And they do reaction shots from each of the four gals. Boom, boom, boom. Everyone gets their own shot. And uh, I loved it. That almost, I feel like, is married to or tied directly to your criticism of the bridal gown scene. We are like, well, here's... Here's a more socialist approach to filmmaking. This is quite uphill, isn't it, this bit? Yeah, seriously uphill. Here's a more generous bit of filmmaking and uh, driving from SJP where it's like, well, let's give everyone an opportunity to put on their sort of comforting surprise face and be like, whoa, that's pretty tough. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, it does mirror that. Yeah. Nice. Well, if we're doing shining lights, I'll give you mine. And we are. we're here. So you should. Uh, my one this week, I think it might have been yours previously, is the steward, the air hostess, who uh, is, when Samantha's flying back to New York and desperately trying to fit the last we're putting in before the plane goes into landing mode, mm. a steward comes along and she says, we're landing now, I have to take that from you. And uh, Samantha tries to fucking... Rattle yet more pudding in her face. And it's just like, it's a classic comic beat, well played. And the person playing the cabin crew member is, she's phenomenal. Very funny. Yeah, I feel like, to be honest, part of the reason she was my shining light this week is, uh, you'll remember a few years ago when we did the Sex and the City tour with the great Gillian Anthony from Time Out. Do you want to play on that swing? Uh, Briefly. Yeah, sure. We've sort of gotten over the main part of the hill now, everybody. I hope you've enjoyed our varying levels of fitness. We battle. I thought I was in good nick. I'm doing a pretty intense uh, hike over New Year's. You're going to have to work a lot harder than that on the hike. But I thought that she was, we had a really cool tour guide, uh, a woman named Elise, who. Oh, yeah. I feel she like was might great. have been a graduate from UCB. Yeah, in some I way. think you're right. But uh, I thought it looked like, for a second, I was like, is that her? Oh, I thought, true. no, we would have remembered her saying I was actually in the first movie during the tour. Yeah, I think she probably, yeah, she would, she would, she would leave that in. She'd leave now, we need to synchronise the points at which we're swinging here, Tim. Do we? I think so. I'm, actually, I'm having a bit of trouble with mine because I've got this thing hanging off my, my uh, waist, which is recording us, because it's quite big. Well, actually, these, these mics have quite a lot of lead. So yeah, yeah, we're all right. It does feel a little bit dangerous occasionally, but I kind of like that. I want to see how much height we can... Oh, yeah, no, I see what you're saying. I'm going to enough rope for this, is there? So we've got to keep up with each other. Here we go. And it's great because they're just skimming along the bark, so you're probably picking up a bit of atmos. And it's really hard to stay on topic as we swing together <laughs> through this, probably about the 30 to 35th minute of the podcast. Um... Other things that you... There was a moment where you sort of turned and you started enjoying yourself. You thought Steve very deftly avoided a fight with his Can we just talk about Brady for the rest of the ep? 
Is that okay? Okay, I'll tell you this. Okay. One thing I've noticed that Brady does in both this and the second movie, and one of the reasons maybe that he's so hell-bent on destruction, is he sort of um, dispassionately fucks around with his toys in the background of frame while his mother's out lunching with her pals. And I don't want to go so far, it's not my place to call anyone a neglectful parent, but maybe if Miranda spent a little bit more time with her toddler, or, you know, uh, what is adolescence for a toddler? Her child. Yeah, child. When Tossing. does a toddler become a child? Is t- I guess when it stops toddling. When it walks confidently. It's a good confident walk on. Well, I think a toddler can walk confidently. I feel like it's when they can run and not look fucking gammy. Some have you of ever us watched a toddler happens. run? Yeah, I have. It's, it's delightful. Because they've figured, they haven't figured out how to stop, but they also haven't figured out there's a need for it. It's also quite stressful, though, because their heads are so heavy, there's no guarantee that they're going to be able to maintain their balance the whole time. I can't believe that you've had limited exposure to a three-year-old and now feel you're entitled to dull out parental advice to Miranda. Uh, it's 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 less from my experience of hanging out with a three-year-old and more from my experience of watching Sex in the City 2 over 52 times and Sex in the City, the movie, 12 times. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but I don't know, I just feel like in seeing that... You, know, you reckon that's the birth of Brady? Well, I, like just, I just think... Yeah, I just think that that's uh, an example of Brady having more time on his hands than he knows what to do with and sort of dreaming up crazy things. And then also you can imagine him taking some of those ideas to Miranda. Steve does appear to be more keyed in as a parent. I mean, my love for Steve is well known. Uh, And her sort of going, you know, like if if you're not really listening and you just sort of agree with whatever's being said, and sometimes you don't know what you've agreed to. You think that's Miranda? I think that's what Miranda does to Brady. I think she actually accidentally yes-ands a lot of his... Uh, slightly more questionable or conniving ideas as a youngin, and yeah. then that's part of how he graduates to being uh, the rat-obsessed overlord who he, who we all know he grows up to be. But I think that uh, he gains an age, gains an age, we're both saying that, he gets to be about seven or eight, and he becomes aware that his mum's doing it, not really listening to what he's saying, and then it becomes a dynamic where he's just craving attention. That he wishes she would actually listen to what he's saying. He starts pushing the boat out a little more. So he starts kicking the boat out big time. And that's how we um, sort of see the rise of, of Brady. You know, It's like Batman, but it's Ratman because he's into rats. Well, Batman actually wasn't into bats, but then he overcomes the fear. Famously into bats. Do you think Rat, Ratman was also afraid of rats and then grew to love them and identify with them? sort of built on the superpowers around the things uh, that a bat or rat can do. Hard to say, isn't it? I don't th- I think I think Brady's too brave for that actually. I don't think he, his origin story was forged in the fires of fear like Bruce Wayne's. I think he saw rats and it was more of a, an empathy and a kinship. Cuz he was like here are these looked down upon creatures uh, like me mm-hmm. not being cared for. Um, their needs are not being met and what what they do is they band together and they have community, fellowship I crave that I will become like the rat I will lead them and this is how we get Brady the Rat King do you, I feel like I don't know, I mean the thing is teach one is, rat rat will teach the rest of the rats teach a man to fish, he's got some fish for a little bit but they're dead teach a rat how to teach Infinite rats for you to keep. Teach your rat rats. how to teach. Infinite rats for you to keep. It should be on a t-shirt. Yes. Or at least a tea towel. Yeah. Uh, 
Did, now, this is something I've noticed is sort of a recurring uh, habit. I want to say motif, but that's not right. But uh, something that hab- has happened in all of the movies we've done this with is you gravitate towards those you get to spend less time with. Yeah. Uh, because Now, when you say not, you, do you mean one or Tim? What, one gravitates. One, one gravitates. Right. And that's because the more time you spend with the lead characters the more holes you can pick in their personalities, the more frustrated you become by them repeating the same mistakes over and over, the angrier you get at their you know, various different personality traits. Those who you don't see as much, you get to project light and hope and sort of all the things you'd like to see in characters onto those people. And I'm starting to think maybe that's part of why I like Steve so much because in my mind, Steve is quite a doting and caring father. Him and Brady share a very healthy and strong bond and relationship. Mm-hmm. But truth be told, we barely get to see any of that unfold. The only moment of action between Steve and Brady in terms of one-on-one parenting is Steve picking up Brady the night of New Year's Eve to yeah. spend the night with him. Yeah. Beyond that, we that literally... Is that, isn't he it? calls him B-Boy, which is quite a cute nickname, and it yeah. sort of suggests a kinship. But otherwise, we don't know. So in my mind, I'm thinking... Well, I don't understand why Brady would be such an irate little shit who's obsessed with rats if he's got a really powerful parental figure in his dad, yeah. even if I think that maybe Miranda's not doing the best job. But maybe Steve's dropping the ball as well. Maybe he's not having a great time at Dad's house either. We just don't know. It's a classic fun dad thing, isn't it? He's just he's tripped into one tiny portion of the movie, being a fun guy, and we're like, oh, he's a great dad. We just saw him for fucking 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah, because then when they leave the house, you sort of hear... And ADR is also a real fucking superstar in this movie. Some of the now, best if, stuff comes in ADR. If you haven't tuned in for a while, ADR stands for Additional Dialogue Recording. It's when they tape voices onto the movie separately, like after the fact, because they have a look at the footage and they go, ah, you know, it would be good if we got some little vocal recording of It just helps Harry saying context and atmos. Nothing better after dinner than an illegal Cuban cigar. One of my favourites. But when Steve picks up Brady from Miranda's house and they go down the stairs as they head back to their place, mm. you hear him say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to, and it's sort of muffled, but if I'm not mistaken, the audio I heard this week was start a fire. I love it. And now, while if Brady likes fire, there's an example of good supportive parenting, you've also got to think... I don't know if you should be encouraging arson in a five-year-old. Eh, you can't spell arson without son. Brings a father and a boy together, guy. Learning how to light fires and run away and get away with you it. You know, I mean, the way I've seen the world, Tim, it's always been you either live long enough to see a big fire yes, or you start a big fire yourself. Yeah, that's it. What do you want to be in this life? Do you want to be the fucking idiot who phones in a big fire to the cops? Well, the guy who starts it and runs away. Possibly both. Yeah. Some people start a big fire, then they call the police and they say, hey. There's a big fire. There's a big fire. They don't take responsibility. They just observe the fact of life. Some of them say, hey, I started a big fire. The cops go, what's your name? They go, wouldn't you like to know? And those people are the volunteer fire service. <laughs> Bored out of their scouts, constantly lighting fires. Honestly, I'm not taking that back. I was. That's the, true. The volunteer. You, that is a pretty weighty accusation. Yeah. Never trust a volunteer fire. If there are any volunteer person. firefighters listening along right now, please feel free to find us at our Worst Idea of All Time Facebook page and communicate your outrage or support for Tim's outlandish claims. I'm not taking this back. I, I might later, but in the moment, no. I'm standing by it. I want you to go a step further. I want to say you will never walk back your claim. I will never retract my stated belief which I believe with every fibre of my body, 
The, the volunteer fire service are arsons to a one. I like it. Why else would you do it? Uh, just Probably because to be super helpful. Yeah, because it's like you know, it's a, it's brave. a it's a great way to get a little bit more out of your life without having to commit to the full time, you know, trials and tribulations of working as a firefighter. Some people might want to be full time firefighters, but for whatever reason, they don't qualify. It's quite a high bar you have to clear to become a firefighter. Do you know that? Well, it also becomes your job. Yeah. These people might want to do other things vocationally, but want to light fires in their spare time. There's when you become a volunteer firefighter. Do you think there's anyone in the fire service who was? Like, you know how sometimes... Reformed uh, arsons? Is yeah. that the question? Yeah, I do. Uh, because don't, they don't reformed end. criminals make good detectives or cops? I don't know. I haven't heard that. I reckon they would. Because they've got the they they understand the mind of a criminal. To catch the criminal, one must become the criminal. Yeah. They've already done it. So, in a way, juvenile crooks mm. are just aspiring detectives. They're putting in the legwork I mean, young. Okay. The hard yakka, the mahi. You could, you, could, you could frame it that way. I have. And you have. Put that on a t-shirt. Release... All juvenile delinquents right now, and you watch them blossom into helpful and supportive, upstanding members of society. Plus, if we brought back the Police Academy movie franchise, that would make for a stunning sequel reboot. With just Just juvenile juvenile delinquents, and they've opened up a police academy just to train them up on this (laughs) notion that child offenders are like the best up-and-coming detectives. It's actually not a terrible idea. Isn't it? Is it? I can't tell. <laughs> Ideas are, uh, are interesting like that. Because sometimes they'll be so good that they will track to terrible. And sometimes they'll be so terrible they'll track to good. But often they just give the illusion of doing that without crossing the line. Um, this feels like a terrible one that parades is good but isn't. No, I, 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 uh, I think it might actually be good. Now, look... We're probably going to run out of time shortly, and there's a little bit of stuff I want to talk about still. Uh, Something we've never speculated about before, even though we've taken it as a truth across two seasons of the podcast now. Truth. Who is Steve Steve Bonesing? Who does he cheat on Miranda with? We have no idea. Do you reckon it could be Samantha? No, I I think... No matter how powerful her sex drive. Also, Samantha very proudly hasn't cheated on her That's relationship true. with Smith Jarrett. That's true. Uh, do you reckon it's Smith Jarrett? See, now you're not, asking a more interesting question. We do not know the gender of the participant. And Steve, the sexual liaison. as I can uh, attest, is a potent and attractive person this. to both genders. Someone's missing a chook named Drip Drip. Reward, 12 eggs. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, it's an ambitious reward. I mean, yeah. if someone finds the chook... <laughs> Do the math, people. Yeah, you just keep the chook. <laughs> it's infinite eggs. Use your fucking head, people. Good God. Anyway, sorry. I interrupted you, and I apologize. Got an urban that. chook on the loose. So uh, we've got Steve what? having sex with... Hold on. Steve having sex with... We're crossing a road again. They're giving us the wave. Steve having sex uh, with with a Smith Jarrett? someone maybe Smith Jarrett. Smith Jarrett does work a lot of late nights. He's often absent in his relationship from Samantha. She gets frustrated by that. He sort of uh, puts on the good guy front, as Steve Brady does himself. Mm-hmm. 
Um, where do we see? We see Stephen Smith together at the rehearsal dinner when Steve comes to apologise to Miranda. He's outside enjoying an illegal Cuban cigar with Harry and Big. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to think to myself, this could be a thing. Is this plausible? Does Steve run off to fuck I... Smith Jarrett? Because Smith Jarrett is also having trouble in his relationship with Samantha. She, yes. He feels she's disengaged. We know that she's struggling with happiness because yeah. she's a more self... Openly, which almost qualifies the behaviour, but she's more self-centred than some of the other people in the movie. I think this thing has legs. Yeah, you're going to entertain the notion? Well, I want to believe it too, because I think, well, it's horrible people being unfaithful in their relationship. But I think those two dudes would have a lot of fun together. I, I think, think they would have a lot of on. laughs. And also, I mean, I don't know what Steve does. I think at some point in the series he might have opened a bar. But yeah. Steve seems pretty comfortable mm. as a, a sort of stay-at-home dad, as a partner whose responsibility is more to do with, uh, you know, supporting the breadwinner, if you will, as Miranda is framed to be in their marriage. Yeah, Smith Jarrett, he is a breadwinner. He's oh. an international superstar. I see. So the dynamic the of the relationship works as well, even though they both sort of go back to their partners after their tryst. Yeah. It seems to me that I could see where the attraction comes from, hmm. their mutual frustration in their current relationships, the sexual chemistry. I mean, we don't see anything on camera, but I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit of that action. This thing holds water, Tim. Cool. I like this. I would like to press forward with the knowledge from here on in. It's canon now in Sex in the City. that The trust, let it be known, is between Smith Jarrett and Steve, Mayor of New York City, Seller of Dictionary. That's the plural of Dictionary. Well, you learn something every time you listen to an episode of the podcast. Um, we are actually winding down to the end now. Both of this episode and our walk, a perfectly paced stroll through Western Springs. It's good, eh? It's a good time. So, um, <clears throat> look, any, anything else? I don't want to leave anything on the cutting room floor here. Mainly because I don't edit these. But uh, anything you want to say? Uh, I'm just having a quick. Uh, let me say this, just while you look that up. It, it is. It's. It's wonderful to have your physical presence here, guy. Oh, thank um, you. I love it. It's great. Oh, okay. Just a, f- a few quick other things about your mood and how grumpy you became watching mm-hmm. the movie today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did write your CNI italics here. Mm. Tim is in all caps very grumpy today. Very. Everybody. Uh, and that is uh, the, the meat in a sandwich above which I've written, you play poker, right? And you've said this is the worst analogy I've ever heard. It is. If you up the ante, that would remove players. Yeah, because they're talking about the guest list ballooning out at the wedding and Carrie, by way of explanation to Big, she's trying to put it in terms he'll understand because he is unawares that it's gotten so big. He thought there were 75 people coming. Carrie's talking about 200 guests now. And she says, listen, you play poker, right? He says, yes. She says, the dress, it's the dress. The dress up to the ante. Fucking no. If you have the ante, that doesn't draw more players to the table. You kick players out of the current round if you up the ante. She's trying to suggest it's increased the intensity. But you still think it's a Well, mis- yeah, but they're talking about number of participants, right? They're talking about number yeah. of guests coming. Okay. Surely that would be the analogy for players. So what was the analogy you volunteered in its place? <laughs> it was bad. I can't remember it, but it was flawed. It's a beehive. A beehive. You got a few bees there, but you add some of your own honey, put that there, you get more bees. Now, is it a good analogy? No. 
But that's why we do rewrites on scripts. The first idea isn't going to be the winner every time. The other thing that got you angry, and this is something I actually disagree with you on, was uh, you said this about Big. He kisses her, being Carrie, he kisses her on the nose three times in this film, and it's disgusting every time I see it. He kisses her on the nose. I hate it. He, like, French kisses her nose. This is something where I, I... I haven't noticed the French kiss element, but I remember... Um, Just getting the mail. In Sex and the City 2, there's a moment where Carrie has a little bit of osso buco on her mouth, mm. and he gets it off her by sort of kissing her. Yeah. And you were really disgusted by that. You thought that was one of the most disgusting things you've ever seen. I didn't specifically you mind it. Was it. Cute. I feel like this I don't think a, I thought it was... You did. You, were, you were viscerally disgusted. I remember it because I was like, am I weird? That's great. Well, <laughs> while we lock the back door. Oh, did we leave that open? It would seem we left the front door someone's, wide open. Someone's car is here, so I figured, ah, oh, fuck it. Okay. That was there on the way out. Well, it looks like we haven't been robbed, so. Well done, well. everybody. Uh, and the kissing on the nose thing, I don't mind that either. Yeah, you're more. I'm going to kiss you on the nose right now. Don't, please, don't. I don't want it. Don't need it. I think you would quite like it. Just try it in the name well, of going, science. It's going to happen now, so I just want it done. So just do it. Like ripping off a band-aid. Oh, I didn't like that. I had to close my eyes and everything. Shut your eyes and imagine I'm your wife. No. Fair enough. We've done this. I this think that's the... a pretty good place to end the episode. <laughs> hey, thanks for joining us, everyone. Guy, it's, uh, I mean, you took the edge off it just now, but it is genuinely great to, to be in your, your presence. Um, great that you're here. Likewise, I picked this for you. It's lavender. Wait. Yeah? It's a fresh bit of lavender. Lavender. I'm not so good with the flowers. And we'll catch all of you groovy cats on the next episode of this podcast, which is called The Worst Day of All Time. Season number four, Sex in the City. Verily, we plow ahead. All right, everyone, stay safe. We just have a good rhythm together, you know. He sort of feels me out, I feel him out. And uh, we go for it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.